0: Not too long ago, there existed several gateways to another dimension. A world similar to Earth in appearance, but more fantastical in every way. Magic and monsters inhabited the realm of Terra Arcanum, filling it with adventure and mystery. Humans, however, struggled to produce even the simplest of spells, relying on technology instead. Earth became less dependent on sorcery in its age of industrial revolution, causing the magic to fade from their realm. With the gateways open, the magic within Terra Arcanum began to suffer the same fate. The plants and animals grew ill, and the arcane force grew weaker with each passing day. Several powerful mages came together to separate the two realms once and for all in attempts to preserve the magic within their lands. The gateways were destroyed, and the memory of Terra Arcanum erased from history, ensuring Earth could never threaten their home again. And for several centuries, the magic flourished, untainted. Until now. In the dark, a man sits alone, illuminated mostly by the computer monitor in front of him. His hands shift rapidly across his keyboard and mouse, furiously clicking away. Yes, yes,
1: almost there. What? No, no, no,
0: no, no, damn it. Adam Kelly, 28 years old and wheelchair bound. He runs his hands through his pale, almost white hair in frustration before pushing his glasses back up his nose and checking the time. Come on. Where are you, Carson? Adam leans over in his wheelchair, rolling up his jeans to reveal shabby, prosthetic legs. He begins resecuring them.
1: Yeah. That's not going anywhere.
0: Adam wheels his chair over to the door, opening it. Cutting it kind of close, don't you think?
1: Oh, please. Like you weren't just in the middle of
0: another raid. Adam struggles to get to his feet, wobbling as he does so. Carson enters the apartment, dressed similar to how Adam is, jeans and a blazer, with one difference, a press badge clipped onto his belt. Adam grabs his coat from the back of his chair and slips into it, shaking slightly. Did you at least win this time? Nope. The healer went AFK
1: and, as usual, Warden pays the price. (sighs) Maybe if I had my assassin there with me, we could have defeated the boss before they left. (laughs) Come on, bud. Let's get going. Don't want to
0: be late. The two men make their way out of the apartment and into the city a taxi to take them to their destination. A short car ride later, the two stand at the entryway of one of New York's most luxurious buildings, the New Horizons Headquarters. There's a light rumble in the sky above as rain begins to trickle down. Wow.
2: You get used to it. Come on, let's get checked in before it gets too hectic.
0: The two make their way to the security desk, where they're greeted by a friendly officer.
2: Welcome to New Horizons. Can I get the
3: names of you and your guest? Carson Davis, with Tomorrow's Tech today.
0: Carson flashes his press badge to the officer.
2: And this is Adam Kelly, my plus one. Thank you. You both enjoy your night.
0: She says with a warm smile, sliding forward a press and guest pass. The two take their respective badges and enter. Various investors and other members of the media mingle around the large lounge area. Carson eyes an attractive woman from across the floor and grins. Showtime. He quickly swipes two glasses of champagne from a nearby attendant. And now I'm all alone. Great. Adam sips his drink, leaning on a nearby pillar to take some weight off his legs. He scans the crowd of people, locking eyes with a beautiful, blonde woman, her hair done up in the back with loose bangs in the front. The two exchange a brief smile before she starts to make her way over to him. Sup? (laughs) Sup?
4: Forgive my judgments, but you don't seem like you belong in an event like this. Ouch? Not like that. I just mean, most of these people are stuck-up rich dudes, while others are press nerds. You don't give off either vibe, to be honest.
1: (laughs) I'm a press nerd's plus one, actually.
4: Gross. You came to this thing willingly?
1: Didn't you?
4: I'm filling in for a press nerd. She couldn't make it, but her career depends on tonight. Promised I'd take photos, notes, and even mingle with these corporate tech mongers.
1: Well, if you need some notes, I'll be happy to help you. As long as we take a seat at the
0: table over there, my legs could use the rest.
4: You have yourself a deal.
0: The two make their way over to a free table. Adam's struggling as the pain in his legs reaches an unbearable point. Finally, he reaches the table and takes a seat, stretching out his legs. The woman sits across from him and places a drink on the table, having swiped it on her way. I'm Adam, by
1: the way. In case you need to cite your sources...
4: Adam, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm Morgan.
0: They shake hands before getting their brief interview started. Adam fills Morgan in on several of New Horizons' technological advancements in the last couple years. As Morgan writes down her notes, Adam takes a moment to readjust his prosthetics. Across the room, a man dressed much more formally than the majority of guests spots Adam. He sets his drink down on a nearby attendance tray and walks over to the tomb.
2: Those are some pretty gnarly pieces of hardware you got there.
1: Yeah, work doesn't really allow me to afford anything better.
2: You work for Dawes, right? Adam Kelly, I believe.
1: Um, yeah, that's
0: me. How how did you-
2: We recently contracted with you for an upgraded AI subsystem to help run one of our little projects in R&D.
0: The man takes a seat between Adam and Morgan giving a comforting smile to both of them.
2: I was told you were the one to code the program, and I gotta say, I'm impressed.
1: Thank you. That means a lot.
2: Yeah, Daz does some great work, but they're small, and their employees are grossly underpaid, if you ask me.
0: The man slides a card over to Adam, before getting out of his seat, fixing his coat jacket.
2: If you're looking for an upgrade, both financially and physically, give me a call, Adam. It has been a pleasure, but I am going to be late.
0: The charming man gives one last smile before he parts ways. Adam grabs the card to read it.
4: Who was that guy anyway?
0: Seriously?
1: You don't know who Victor Osborne is? The Victor Osborne?
4: The name sounds familiar, sure.
1: You're only sitting in his building.
4: Attention.
0: Please begin making your way into the auditorium. The presentation is about to begin. Adam struggles to his feet as he and Morgan make their way into the auditorium. Carson had saved him a seat near the front. He stands, waving the two over.
1: over here! Say,
0: who's your friend? Morgan, this is Carson. Carson, Morgan. So did you crash and burn? Carson produces a business card with a number handwritten on the back and a heart dotting the I.
2: Her name is Liz, and we are going out next week, thank you very much. Quite frankly, I'm shocked by your lack of faith in me.
0: The lights slowly dim as the stage lights ignite and the curtains are lifted. A covered box sits atop the stage. Moments later, the audience erupts in applause as Victor steps out, smiling and giving a small wave.
2: Thank you, everyone, so much for coming out here tonight to witness history. So first, a little about myself. My father started this company many years ago on the idea of not just creating the latest and greatest technology, but also making sure he could leave the world a better place and he found it. Now, Pops had one dream he spent all his life trying to realize. One that I'm sure some of our guests might not appreciate.
3: <laughs>
2: he had a vision of clean, green, renewable energy. And not just for the rich folk, but for everyone. Sadly, my father passed away far before he could see that dream through. And it is with great honor that i am here tonight with you all to see that vision realized
0: victor gestures to the box beside him as the covering is removed inside a glass container appears to be a generator of some kind with one unique element a shimmering blue crystal pulses slowly inside there's no way
2: tonight each and every one of us will bear witness to history. Its clean, renewable energy will power this entire building. Don't be alarmed. I've instructed my technician to kill the main power to the building momentarily. Once that is done, the generator will kick on, ushering us into the future of power.
0: As promised, the lights in the building go dark. Illuminated only for a second by a flash of lightning, startling the crowd. Not long after, the whirring of energy silences the room as the crystal begins to glow brightly, pulsing faster as energy travels throughout the generator. And with that, energy is restored to the building. He actually did it.
5: It's beautiful.
2: Any questions?
0: The press hop to their feet, shouting over one another, no longer paying attention to the generator. The crystal fluctuates, almost struggling. A crack begins to form along the side of the crystal, causing energy to seep out as the lights flicker. (laughs) What's going on? The glass frame slowly starts to crack as it is struck with raw energy, causing the crowd to stir. Victor's charming smile shifts into alarm as he approaches the crowd.
2: Everyone out! Shut it down!
0: The crowd panics, trying desperately to flee. Adam helps Morgan to her feet.
4: We need to get out of here!
0: They aren't fast enough as the glass shatters, leaving the crystal exposed. Victor runs off stage as the crystal tears from its restraints, hovering above the generator. The lights continue to flicker just before the crystal shatters, emitting a bright light and a large explosion. Adam, Morgan and the others nearby are engulfed in energy before losing consciousness.
1: What happened?
0: Wait, why do I sound funny? Adam is startled by the sound of his own voice. It's still his, but more mechanical now. Adam lifts his hands to his face, revealing metallic plating over his hands. No, those are his hands. He takes notice of his lower half, also metal. Adam has a shocking revelation at this moment. I can feel the grass on my toes. Adam takes in the moment, not having felt tactile sensation in his lower legs in over 20 years. He begins to cry. here. The bustling of a nearby set of bushes alerts Adam as he spots Morgan, only recognizing her by her facial features. Her outfit has changed to a set of leather armor with a red cloak draped over her shoulders. One more thing stands out to Adam, a small set of horns framing the top of her head. She stares at the hunk of metal sitting in the grass.
4: Oh! Uh, Adam? Adam?
1: When it would appear so. Why why aren't you dressed like that? And why do you have horns?
4: Why do you sound like a robot? Wait, I have horns?
0: The woman pats her head before feeling the poke from her horns. While most people would panic, she isn't most people.
4: <laughs> That's so cool!
0: Adam gets back to his feet, expecting the usual pain, but it does not come. He straightens himself up, almost feeling prideful. He's shocked to find he's just about a foot taller than he once was.
1: (sighs) We should look around for others. There's no way we were the only two who wound
0: up here.
4: Wait, what is that? By your foot? Is that the crystal?
0: Adam leans down, picking up a few broken shards of the New Horizon crystal. The shards hum with energy and pulsate color. It looks like it. At least a piece of it. Wait, it's doing something. The crystal's shards begin to hover in the air. The pieces split 50-50, one half colliding with Adam and the other with Morgan. The crystals embed themselves into the bodies of its targets, sinking into Morgan's skin and Adam's metal chassis. They begin to pat their chests, feeling for the crystals.
4: What just happened? Did that thing just go inside me?
0: I have
1: literally no idea. But it feels kind of warm, doesn't it?
4: It kinda does. Well, if we and that crystal manage to wind up out here, certainly others must be out there. So, let's get to it.
0: The two head off through the forest, passing through trees and brush, eventually finding a path beaten into the dirt. They follow the road for a couple minutes as it leads into a clearing where a large pond lies still.
4: Oh, thank God. I'm parched.
0: The big robot stares down at his horned travel companion. If you could see his expression, it would be one of concern.
4: Relax, dude. I'm totally kidding.
0: She smacks against his arm playfully and pulls back in slight pain. The sound rings out as a creature leaps out of the pond, landing in front of them, a sharp spear pointing in their direction.
4: Ah! Stay back! I have... a lighter?
0: Morgan pulls out a strange, ornate lighter from her belt pouch, confused by its design for a moment, before flicking it on. A spark of fire flies into the air before exploding. She stares even more confused. Adam steps forward.
1: Easy. We mean you no harm. We are just lost. Uh, we're looking for some people.
0: The strange, frog-looking creature straightens up, lowering his weapon. He stands roughly three feet tall now, wrapped in various leaves. The creature lets out a warm smile.
3: Well, how do you do, strangers? You folks on from around these woods, huh? My name's Gibbon. It's like ribbon with a girl. Sorry about all that there with my pointy stick. Can never be too sure out here. Hi there, Gibbon.
1: My name is, uh, um, Warden. And this is my travel partner, Morgan.
4: Actually, I wasn't totally honest with you at the party.
1: Are you serious?
4: Hey, I didn't know you. Morgan is my roommate. I used her credentials to get in, and I didn't want someone to overhear and throw me out. I'm Melanie.
3: (laughs) I'm still Gibbon.
1: That's great. So, any chance you might have seen some people come through here recently?
3: Yeah, I I seen some funny folks come through here earlier. All dressed up, all fancy-like. I felt bad for some of them. It smelled like they'd been sprayed by a skunk. (laughs) It was very odd. We don't get too many packs of humans through these woods. That's great. Where did they go? I send them to where I send all wanderers of these here woods. Straight to Todd's. And where is Todd's? Just keep following that there road and it'll take you folks out of the forest. Not long after that, you should reach town. You can't miss it.
1: By chance, were any of these strange travelers
0: named Carson? Gibbon ponders for a moment, rubbing his chin.
3: Yeah, I, I do remember a fellow with that name. He was very nice.
1: Oh... Thank God. Thank you, uh, Gibbon.
3: You've been a great help.
0: Gibbon smiles and waves as Adam turns back towards the road.
3: Y'all have a blessed day now, you hear?
4: So, we're just supposed to trust some random frog person because he seems polite and has a southern drawl? Next I suppose we're supposed to ask trees for financial advice?
1: What do you want from me? not like we have any other leads to go off of. And if Carson did go into town, I'm going to find him.
4: Fine. And what's with the whole warden thing?
1: It's just a nickname, I guess. I don't know. I don't exactly look like myself, so it's a point in being Adam Kelly for the time being. Might be fun to try and be someone better.
4: Alright, I guess I can understand that. But don't expect me to call you that.
0: The two spend the next 45 minutes following the road out of the forest. And as promised, a small city is seen in the distance. The town is bustling with the sounds of people shopping and having a good time. Stopping only to take a moment to witness the new strangers entering their town. Finally, they come to a large sign which reads, Todd's Diner.
1: I guess this is it. Shall we go inside?
4: We didn't just spend the last hour hiking through the woods to stare into the windows. Let's go. Now I'm actually parched.
0: Inside is relatively noisy compared to the number of guests, as a larger orc man stands at the bar telling a story.
6: So I think I'm a goner. And then I grabbed a beast by its throat and plunged my blade into its belly. Ah! (laughs) ha ha! She was a hell of a fight, but I'll tell you what, she was a hell of a dish too, huh?
0: The man and his guests laugh before he turns his attention to the two new
6: arrivals. Oh, spicy! <laughs> Chef's kiss! <laughs> Hi! Welcome to Todd's Diner. What can I do for you?
4: We're looking for, a uh, Todd? And water, if you don't mind?
6: That's me, unless you mean my father... In which case, he's been in the ground for the last five years. God rest his soul.
4: Oh, I'm
6: sorry? Don't be. The man went out the way he intended. With a blade in his hand, eh? (laughs) We were told
1: some travelers might have gone through here.
6: Do you happen to know anything about that? Sure, sure. Some strange kooks. They claim to be from another planet or something. Now... I didn't believe them, but I told them about the wizard and sent them on their way. Here you go, honey.
4: Thanks. A wizard? Like pointy hats and fancy robes?
6: Yeah. There's a wizard who comes around here a few times a month. He likes to stop in and enjoy the finest Todd's has to offer. Mm -hmm. I believe he may be able to assist you folks further, and he's about due for a visit. I told them to hang around town and wait for him, but uh, they went off and explored. Thank you.
1: We are in a new town and don't really know where anything is. Is there a place nearby we could stay or maybe earn some cash or coin?
4: Coin? Are you being serious
6: right now?
0: Adam turns his head to look at her. Although it lacks any expression, she understands.
6: Of course. Elsa's Across the Street is the best place to hang your hat for the night. It's the Starlight Inn. Tell her Todd you. If you're looking for work, you should see Mayor Mully. He's been looking for some daring adventurers to uh, tackle the gang problem. Gang problem?
0: Just then he's cut off as the doors swing open. A hush falls on the diner as three rough-looking orcs enter the building. The leader of the trio stands almost as tall as Warden.
6: Uh, uh, Excuse me for a sec.
0: Todd quickly shuffles over to the large orc.
6: Listen, Choke, uh, I don't have the money just yet. You you guys cleaned me out last week. I can't keep up with... The
0: large orc, Choke, places his hand on Todd's shoulder,
7: squeezing it. Todd winces. Uh, Todd... Are we really going to do this again? Here, in front of all your guests?
6: Please, tell you, brother, I'll have it by the end of the week. I just need more
0: time. Warden and Melanie watch
7: until Warden has had enough. That's too bad. Because we're here right now, and I want my money. The large
0: mechanical man makes his way over to the commotion.
7: Is there a problem here? This doesn't concern you, Synthozoid. Walk away. Actually, I think this does. You see, Todd was in the middle of helping us out before you interrupted. And where I come from, that isn't very polite. Polite? I'll show you polite, Tin Man.
0: Choke turns to look at Todd, who is sweating nervously.
7: (laughs) I'll tell you what, Todd. You have until the end of the week to arrange payment. After that... I won't be so polite.
0: Choke and his muscle exit the diner as Todd exhales long and hard.
6: Oh, oh, that that was stupid of you. Brave, but stupid. Choke is an arrogant son of a bitch who won't just let you get away with that. I suggest you see Mayor Mully about getting some gear if you're to defend yourself from him. If he knows old Todd sent you... He won't have any problem fitting you guys.
4: That sounds like a smart idea. Warden, shall we?
6: That's
1: probably for the best.
6: Thank you, Todd. Sure, sure. You two take care. And feel free to come by for a free meal on me. You know, for sticking up for me. Wait, you probably don't even need food, huh?
1: She can have it then. See you later.
4: Stay safe, Todd.
0: The two head off to the city's capital building to meet with the mayor. Usually a busy man, the mayor has since had his slate cleared, since the gang violence escalated, causing many of the town's guard to up and leave. The mayor is a stout orc, with orange hair and shaggy sideburns. If ever there was a disheveled man, this was him. Wait, you mean it? You'll help me clean my streets? Molly's expression changes from grim to relief, as Melanie and Warden exchange a look. I'm sorry, it's just we haven't had help in months. I even sent for an adventure a while back, but I've yet to hear
1: anything from him. I was beginning to lose all hope until you both showed up.
4: Actually, we were just looking for some weapons or something to protect us from them. That Todd guy said you might be able to help us with that?
1: What my friend here means is we will need some weapons if we are to assist you. And some coin as we're fresh out. Well, of course. I can offer you half up front, and as for weapons, I keep a personal collection on display in my office. Just go on in there and pick a few things out.
0: I'll be right back. The two find themselves in the mayor's large office, unsupervised. Large sets of display armors and weapons line the walls. Warden's eye is caught by a large battle axe hung on the wall behind the mayoral desk. Melanie grabs a bow off a display mannequin, as well as a quiver full of arrows. Oh, This is beautiful.
1: The craftsmanship of the handle alone is... it's remarkable.
4: I can't believe you volunteered us for a suicide mission, and for what? To live out some crazy Tolkien fantasy of yours?
1: How do you know I like Tolkien? don't act like this isn't totally awesome. Besides... We needed some money to keep us afloat.
4: For what? We are just supposed to wait for this wizard so he can send us home.
1: We need a place to sleep and money to pay for your food until then. So unless you have a better idea to make some easy coin...
4: Ugh. Fine. At least I already know how to use this thing.
1: You know archery?
4: What? Because I'm a girl? That's such a big surprise. Uh... (laughs) Relax! I'm joking with you. My grandfather used to teach me when my parents weren't paying attention, and after he left us, I would sneak out to the fields and practice on the old scarecrow.
1: Wow. I'm sorry. Did he pass?
4: I don't know. Nobody liked talking about Gramps after he and my parents got into a huge argument. I was still young, and I don't really remember it, but it got bad, and... They kicked him out. After that, I wasn't able to see him anymore. Wow, you're still like a total stranger, and I'm just spilling my guts out to you.
1: No, 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 no. That's that's completely fine. Besides, you and I are stuck here together. Being friendly at the very least will make this place seem less lonely.
0: Melanie tries to hide a smile before turning away. They exit the office with their weapons stowed. As the mayor enters the room once again, lugging a large chest.
4: What's in there?
1: Just a little extra surprise, if you do succeed in your quest. Here.
0: Mayor Mully drops a bag of coins in both of their hands.
1: 250 coins apiece. You will have 250 more coins for each year when you get back. And what's in that chest? Seems fair to me. We are going to procure a room at the inn, and we will get started right away on that quest.
0: The two enter a dimly lit building with an empty front desk. It's quiet. Warden walks up to the counter, ringing the bell a few times for service. A young-looking high elven woman walks out of the room behind the desk with a mixed expression of irritation and tiredness.
5: Hello. Welcome to Starlight Inn. You looking for a room? Or looking to waste my time.
4: Oh, great. We caught her in a good mood.
1: I take it that business isn't going so well, is it?
5: Those vile hooligans come by twice monthly to clean me out. No one wants to stay in a town that's ravaged by gang wars. So no, business is not faring well. So excuse my less than hospitable demeanour.
4: Look, we just want a room, lady. But my metal friend and I would be more than happy to search elsewhere around town to stay. No, no.
5: Please stay. I apologize. Time's been tough, but that's no excuse, I know. It's 30 for the night, 50 for two, and 100 for the week. Anything more than that and we can work something out.
1: Let's start with
0: two nights? I'm not
1: sure how long we will be in
0: town. Wonderful. Warden dumps 50 coins out of his bag onto the counter. Shortly after, the woman walks them to their room.
5: Here you are. If you two need anything, don't hesitate to ask. I don't know much, but I'll do my best to accommodate. I'm Elsa, by the way.
1: I'm Warden, and this is my friend Melanie.
5: More like travel companions
4: forced together due to unforeseen circumstances.
0: Elsa stares at them. Concerned for a moment.
4: But he's not so bad.
0: Elsa exits the room awkwardly as Melanie gives a sort of half smile towards Warden. She walks over to the bed and plops down onto it, sinking slightly into the mattress.
4: Man, all that walking today has me beat. <sighs> I could use a nap.
1: You know, I don't really feel tired or hungry. Or really anything now that I think about it. I could also just use some time to clear my head.
4: Well, dibs on the bed! That warped wooden chair has your name written all over it, though.
0: Once again, Warden shoots her a look of brief disdain before heading over to the chair. It creaks loudly as he sits upon it. Okay.
1: Let's just relax. Try to recap
0: everything that has happened so far. Warden's eyes go dark as he almost appears to power down. In his time of reflection, Warden's mind drifts back to a distant memory.
8: Uh, hey, Earth to Adam. You still with me? Huh? Oh, sorry. What was the question? Where did you go? Just now in your head. Oh, it it it's... It's nothing. Talk to me, Adam. I can't help you if you continue to shut me out like this. What's on your mind? You ever feel like you were meant for so much more than this? Elaborate. Oh, come on, Doc. You know damn well what I mean. Your statement is purely subjective, Adam. I want to know what you feel you were meant to do in this life. Well, for starters, I
1: shouldn't be in this goddamn chair. Feel so
0: helpless.
8: Why do you feel helpless, Adam?
0: Look at me, Doc. What can I do? Adam gestures to himself, his missing legs,
8: before gripping his wheels and turning away from his therapist. You assume your ability to help others is solely based on your physical capabilities, Adam. You forget there is more than one way to make a difference. No, I know. It's just, I keep having this dream. I'm me,
1: but better. I have my legs. I'm taller, muscular, and I fight these monsters.
0: Dr. Morrison straightens up,
8: leaning in to engage Adam. Hmm, interesting. Tell me more about these monsters.
1: I can never really quite make them out. It's like they're blurry. I can't really see them. But they want to hurt me.
8: Hmm. Dreams can be a fickle thing. Perhaps in some way, this reoccurring dream is your mind's way of coping. If you won't face your adversities in the waking world, perhaps your subconscious is finding a way to subdue them by other means. So what should I do then? What do you want to do? I
1: want
0: to help people, make a difference in the world.
8: So go out there and do it?
0: The memory slips from Warden's mind as he is returned to the old creaking chair inside the Starlight Inn. He looks over to see Melanie, snoozing away on the bed.
1: She has got to be the strangest person I've ever met. She's judgy, temperamental, and has some serious trust issues. But, nonetheless, I'm glad to be going through this with someone else
0: warden takes his gaze off of melanie before returning to his resting state the room is silent and remains as such for the next couple of hours melanie lies spread across the bed drooling slightly suddenly she is startled awake
4: what was that oh my
0: god the two turn to face the window seeing todd's diner up in flames Warden begins to sprint out of the room.
4: Wait! Where are you going?
0: Warden can no longer hear her as he beams for the diner. Melanie chases after him. A crowd gathers around the site as Warden breaks through.
3: Somebody help! There's still people inside!
0: Without a moment's hesitation, Warden rushes in.
1: (laughs) Todd! Anybody? Can you hear me? (coughs) Hang on!
0: Warden searches for the signs of life, finding two patrons semi-conscious. He picks them up. Hoisting them over his shoulders, Warden carries the two to safety. Warden runs back in to find Todd as Melanie breaks through the crowd. She scans for a moment before her eyes land on Choke and his crew. The men laugh at their handiwork. Warden returns a few moments later with Todd. He lowers Todd to the floor, revealing burns and strangulation bruises along his neck.
4: Oh my god.
0: Warden slams his fist into the dirt. This is all my fault. He didn't deserve this.
4: Adam, look.
0: Melanie points out the thugs in the near distance. Warden's eyes flicker slightly, shifting from blue to red.
6: That... That son of a bitch! He's going to pay!
0: Warden removes the battle axe from his back, gripping it tightly in his dominant hand. He gets back to his feet, breathing heavily. Finally, his eyes turn fully to a bright red.
6: Joke, You're going to pay!
7: Oh, I must have hit a nerve. Show me what you've got, Tin Can.
3: (laughs) Want us to shut him down, boss?
7: Nah, I've got him. Go find his little girly friend and teach her a lesson.
0: The two thugs head for the crowd in search of Melanie, who is currently standing over Todd's lifeless body. The crowd begins to disperse as Warden engages Choke. He swings his axe down hard, Catching Choke's (coughs) hand-axes. Choke deflects the battle-axe back up, sending Warden back a couple steps. Choke leaps into the air to slam his axes down into the armored chest of Warden. (coughs) A bright blue energy pulses from Warden as he screams out. (coughs) Choke's attack is blocked as a spectral blue warrior stands before him with a shield stretched out. The warrior looks ancient but powerful as it throws Choke back. Warden leaps through the spectral entity after Choke. Yeah! Over near the burning diner, Melanie is confronted by the two other
7: thugs.
4: Hey there, fellas. I'm guessing you were not here to talk?
7: We prefer to talk with our fists.
4: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Melanie draws her bow. Swinging on the first one to approach, she cracks him over the head, sending him to his knees. The following thug grapples with the bow, pushing her back. Still gripping the bow, Melanie jumps up, slamming her boots into the stomach of her attacker, sending her to the floor a few feet back. The bloodied thug gets back to his feet and runs at Melanie, She quickly retrieves an arrow from her quiver and fires it. The arrow strikes the man in his shoulder, the force knocking him to the ground. Choke tackles Warden back towards the burning diner, landing on top of him, slamming his brass knuckles into Warden's metal faceplate. An arrow soars through the air, connecting with Choke's back. The force knocks him off of Warden momentarily, as Melanie prepares another arrow.
7: Ah, no you don't.
0: Choke's goon tackles Melanie from behind, knocking the bow out of her hands. She struggles to free herself, as the man forces her to the ground.
7: Not so tough now, are you? Get off!
0: Melanie struggles once more. Her frustrations turn to rage. ...as it awakens something primal within. The thug is thrown from her back with ease... ...as her body begins to shift and contort. Her horns grow... ...protruding further away from her head... ...as a snout begins to form from her face. Her hands morph into long, hairy fingers... ...with sharp claws coming out. Her armour seems to disappear as the rest of her body is covered in thick brown fur. Her legs, however, share the appearance of a goat's hind legs. The thug crawls back in horror, as do the watching bystanders. Melanie stands, fully transformed into a werewolf. She lets out a ferocious howl. Choke turns to see the source of the cry, seeing a large werewolf lunging at his men. Fall back! It's time to regroup! Choke is cut off as Warden's hands reach up, gripping around his throat. Choke struggles as Warden begins to rise from the ground, lifting the gangster into the air. Please
6: have mercy. THIS IS MY MERCY!
0: With a loud snap... Choke's head falls limp to the side. Warden releases with his left hand... ...and then tosses Choke's lifeless body into the burning diner... ...his glowing red eyes trained on the scene. Not far away... ...the large werewolf slams the first thug into the pavement getting ready to mutilate before Melanie regains control. The second of Choke's men runs off in terror as Melanie slowly shifts back into her normal state. She picks her bow up off the ground and runs over to Warden, who has yet to move.
4: Did you see that, Warden? I turned into a freaking werewolf-goat hybrid! That punk ran away screaming with his pants soaked, no doubt. Uh, Warden?
0: Warden's eyes switch back into their neutral state as he comes to, turning towards Melanie. Uh, uh, What? I'm sorry. I don't really... uh, What just happened? What did I just do? Warden turns back towards the burning diner. Remembering.
3: The Terra Arcanum Chronicles The Audio Drama Narrated by Marius Spangenberg Starring Mitchell Drake as Warden and Adam Kelly Anna Kate Heinemann as Melanie Rodman, Corey Kulf as Carson Davis Jace Matthews as Victor Osborne Cole Letalian as Gibbon Jay Silver as Todd Totson, Doug DeBug as Choke Valentino Evan Wolfram as Mayor Mully Chloe Peturser as Elsa Starlight Jerkytown as Dr. Morrison Maddie Gerard as New Horizons Security Guard, Smorecrux as New Horizons AI System. Additional voices by Philip Hale and Jamie Clifford. Music by Joseph Decker and Mitchell Drake. Sound effects sourced from Freesound.org and Artlist. Written, produced, and edited by Jamie Clifford.